Hey, so glad that you guys are with us. And this uh, trunk and treat happened last night and it was a blast. And I wanna say thank you to any of you who perhaps are watching or any of you here in the room who endured the long lines of the trunk and treat thing with your kids waiting. We are sorry that it took so long. It's new for us. We're figuring this out. But thank you for your patience. And hopefully you had a good time. I also want to say thanks to the volunteers and to the uh, and to the trunkers who put work into making it fun. And it was a great time. We had over 250 cars that came through. That's about a thousand people here in our community who got to have a meaningful experience. So it was good. It was good. It was fun. Uh, and again, uh, thank you for that. Before I get started with my message, I want to take you back two and a half years to 2018 when I had a guest speaker named Diana Swoop, who's a friend of mine, and I want to show you a clip from her speaking uh, that message two and a half years ago, so check this out. I'm telling somebody, it does not matter how long it's been bad. It does not matter how far the disease has progressed. They could have told you it's stage four. And, and, and by the way, I, many of you may not know, but that's where I am. I have a diagnosis of cancer that is at stage four. Uh, but I'm telling you, at stage four, I've still been walking. I've still been preaching. I've still been going on because I'm telling you what God loves. God is able to accelerate your moments. I'm doing things that I've got more strength and energy now at stage four cancer than I had before. Uh, and and, and they, 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 they don't have much good news for me, but it does not matter to me. My hope is not in them. My hope is not in their medicine. My hope is not, I'm praying for some other things to occur, but that's not where my hope lies. My hope is in Jesus Christ. And I know that when he gets ready to bring everything about, it's gonna happen. And it's going to happen just like that. Ah, you may have been an addict for a long time, but don't give up hope because God can change that thing just like that. Your marriage may have been turned upside down for the longest time, but don't lose your hope. God is able to suddenly accelerate victory into your life. And it will come so fast until you're asking yourself, why didn't I put my net down on the right side a long time ago? Sadly, um, this dear woman last Sunday ended her battle with cancer after 10 years. She died at the age of 65. And I wanted to just let you know that because uh, she's a friend of mine. She, she was, when I was going to camps, when I was going to youth conventions as a uh, teenager, she was the speaker that I remembered uh, she would come to those uh, conventions as a speaker, and she is the one person that I remember. And then I actually got to have a friendship with her over the years. She's a part of the Church of God movement that Mountain Park is part of. And, and so it is a tremendous loss uh, uh, for us uh, that she has gone on to be with the Lord. But we can be very thankful for the incredible impact and influence that she has had this woman, she's about this tall, and uh, she's, she's this size, but her impact is enormous. She's also a beautiful reason to celebrate that we as a movement, as the Church of God for over a century, have celebrated women in pastoral leadership. And she is a great example of why we do that, because the world would have missed out on the incredible influences that, that this woman 
has had. And so I just wanted you to be aware of that and uh, just kind of celebrate her with you a little bit here today before I jumped into my message. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you for Diana. I thank you for her friendship and her uh, impact on um, um, her church in Ohio and the impact that she has had um, you know, across the country and here at Mountain Park. And so we pray for her family, her husband and her three kids, and we pray for their church um, that they would figure out uh, what to do now post-Diana. And so, um, Father, we gather here in this place knowing that you uh, continue to have a plan, that you love us, and that you want to do something significant in and through us. And so, would you come and do that here as we, uh, as we focus this time on you, as we prioritize you as, as in this part of our week. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We are finishing up a series that is titled Taking the Stand. And the idea behind it is we're looking at our role as witness. That when a witness takes the stand in a courtroom, they don't have to be the expert on everything. They don't have to have the answer to all the questions. They don't have to be a scientific expert on all of this stuff. They just simply need to go up and say what they have seen and they have heard. And we know from movies and from TV, uh, which means that's, we know everything. Uh, we know everything that happens in a courtroom. Because what happens in a courtroom is someone will go up and they'll put a hand on the Bible, they'll put their left hand on the Bible, they'll put their right hand up, and, and they will be asked, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? What? So help me God. That last phrase of the oath that people say when they're a witness in court is what we're going to look at here this morning. So help me God. That's a phrase apparently that they rarely use in court, in actual courtrooms right now, but we think they do because we continue to see it on TV. This phrase, so help me God, that essentially means, okay, you're going up and you're about to go on the stand, so you better tell the truth because you're saying it in front of the creator of the universe. If you believe there is a God, then remember, you need to tell the truth because you're standing before the one who created everything. If you, die, if you lie, it's not just perjury, you are lying before the creator of all things. The one who wrote the 10 commandments, the ninth of which says, uh, thou shalt not bear false, what? Witness. witness, witness. So we are to be a good witness every day as we walk about our journeys, etc. Now this phrase is an oath. It is an oath to say, I will tell the truth. But this morning, I want to use the phrase, so help me God, not so much as an oath, but as a request to God. Because there is a part of being a witness that we cannot do on our own. And so what I want to talk about here in this third and final week of this series, talking about our role as a witness, is that there's a part of this journey that we need help from God. So for us, there's a part of it we cannot do based on our own strength. And so this is, God, will you help us? So help us, God. So help me, God. The, uh, this part of the witness piece that we do not have control over, that, it, that is beyond our own control, is something that Paul understood very well. Paul was a killer of Christians. He believed in the Old Testament. He believed in the God of the Old Testament and, and that he did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. 
And he thought those who were following Jesus were wrong and he was persecuting them and and was doing terrible things to them. But Jesus, after he died on the cross and and raised to life and ascended into heaven, he appeared to Paul and he tapped on his shoulder. Actually, he knocked him off his horse and he said, yeah, Paul, yeah, I'm real. I'm real. The whole thing is real. What you've heard, what you've talked about, I really am the Messiah. I'm God. And Paul went, oh, oh, okay. So Paul said, okay, now I get it. And he ended up writing the majority of our New Testament. This is an incredible story of transformation. So Paul writes most of our New Testament. He writes letters to a number of churches in a number of cities in around that region. This is a guy who understands this idea that there's a part of being a witness that we don't have control over, that is beyond our own control. I wanna take a look at a couple of Paul's letters. The first one I wanna look at is called 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter two, Paul says this. Halfway through verse two, he says, with the help of our God, so help me God, right? With the help of our God, We dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. Gospel literally means good news. It it, it really is just the story that, that we came to tell you the story of Jesus in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. I wanna jump down to verse eight. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Paul is saying, we we came to share the gospel. We came to share this story, to tell you this story through our lives. The credibility of a witness is determined by that person's life, okay? Whatever a witness says, it is shaped by the life that that person leads. So Paul is saying, saying we, we can tell you the gospel with our words, but what we're really telling you is, is what this story is all about, all about through our lives. Last week I said that, that people are less interested in your answers to their questions, in your wisdom, than they are in your story. And I really believe that. I believe that, that your version of the, I once was blank, but now I'm blank, your story is the most compelling thing you can witness, you can share to somebody about who Jesus is. But there's something even more potent than your story, and that's your life. It's more potent than your words. More potent than the words that you say is how your life tells people what your story is. Our words, our, our words um, communicate so much, but it's our lives that communicate the full big picture. Because here's the reality of, of life. People are watching. People are watching those who say they are followers of Jesus to see if there's consistency, to see if there's hypocrisy. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have told people that you care about, that you've decided to follow Jesus, and you've, you said to your family this week or 20 years ago or whatever, they know that you are a Christian, 
at work, they know you're a Christian, they're watching. They're watching to see how you start your days, how you come into work. Are you different than, than those who do not say they are followers of Jesus? They're watching to see how you handle bad circumstances and bad situations. They're watching to see how you respond to their story. Are you going to be judgmental? Are we going to be judgmental? People are watching. People are watching. We talk about the, the nine essential roles. If you have a journal, at the beginning of the journal, there's, there's a list, I believe it's on pages 10, or pages 11 and 12. It's a list of the nine essential roles. It's a way for us to try to break down what does it mean to realize our role in God's story? So we broke it down into nine roles. The, the top three are about me. They're about my relationship with God. The middle three are about us. They're about our relationship with one another. And the bottom three are about them. It's about how we treat those we don't know or haven't uh, met yet. It's about how we uh, love and serve others. Now, why would we do these things? If, you're, if you've seen this list or have any interest in growing and developing in these areas, why would we do that? Why would we want to experience the humility of being a patient? Being a patient, we're going to walk this out in a series coming up later on, but, but being a patient means that we realize we are on the operating table and we need help, that we need a savior to repair us, to fix us, to make us whole. And so it's the humility of saying, I can't do this stuff on my own. Why would we go after that? Why would we choose to follow Jesus, to commit to, to being a worshiper? Why would we give grace to people and tell truth and, and love people and, and, be, and live generously with that which we work so hard to obtain and then to be a servant and to be a witness? But why do we do these things? There are many reasons. The main one is, is simply to honor God you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament reinforce this idea. We, we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, all that we have. This is just a breakdown of trying to figure out how can we honor and love God? That's really the primary thing. Secondary thing is this stuff's good for you. It's good for us. It's like Brussels sprouts. You may not like it, but it's good for you. You really can't argue that so much. This is good stuff for your heart, for your soul. But there's a third reason that is relevant to the message here this morning. Why would we do these things? Because people are watching. Because people are watching how you handle life, how you handle situations. The way that we do the top eight shapes our effectiveness as a witness. The way that we do these things, it shapes our effectiveness as a witness because people are watching us. People are watching and unfortunately, we forget. We forget that people are watching. Especially now, here in 2020, it is so easy. It is so easy to forget that people are watching. Let me, let me just create a scenario for you, and I want you to, to, to think about whether or not you can relate to this, okay? I'm going to do a mime, a little acting mime. And it's not really a mime, because it's not going to be, it's not a French mime. It's like a it's a mime with sound effects. So it's like a Canadian mime, if there is such a thing, okay? So, so I'm gonna do this, see if you can relate to any of this. I'm driving, I'm just helping you out here. Okay, I'm driving. 
That's it for talking. Okay. How many of you do that multiple times a day? How many? Okay, thank you. Thank you. I'm not the only one. Every time I go to a parking lot and I'm always X far away from the car and then, and then I look around and there's like four to eight people around me who've done the exact same thing. It's a range of between 10 and 20 feet that we get away and we turn around and have to go back to our cars to put on the silly masks. We're wearing these masks all the time. And the reality is when we wear a mask, we forget that people can see us. Even more than normal, we kind of think that we're hiding. I was at O'Reilly's this week and I was, I was I had my mask on. I, no, I got out of my car without my mask, went back to my car, put the mask on, went back into the store. And because we have to stay six feet apart, they didn't really have a clear way for a line. And so I was standing there trying to keep myself separated from everybody else. And in doing so, there was no clarity as to who was next to go in line to purchase something. And so people were kind of budding and moving around. And I was starting to get a little irate. I was, I wasn't... um, demonstrating the gospel through my life uh, in, a, in, a perf- in a perfect way. You know, in that moment, I'm just kind of starting, starting to get a little frustrated with it. And I, I was, mm, okay, fine, fine, and, and such. And somebody came up to me and said, Alan, is that you? And I was so surprised because I thought, how could you possibly know who it is? I'm wearing a mask. I'm like a superhero. I'm wearing more than Batman did. And, and you can tell who I am. It's just bizarre in the world right now. It's just so easy to forget that people can still see us that people are watching. It's so easy to forget that people are watching, which is why all the more it's important for us to say, help me God to live a life that represents your story, to, to tell the gospel through my life because I can't do it based on my own strength because I forget I can't sustain it. I can't keep it going on. I can't think about it all the time. I just forget. Let me give you another example. If I could be so bold as to just ask you right where you are right now, and you, those of you at home, I want you to do this story. Right, right, right now, would you just freeze? Freeze. Don't move a muscle. Don't move a muscle. Don't look around. Don't move any part of your body. Freeze. Just hold your body exactly where it is. How is your posture right now. How, don't judge the people around you. Don't look at their posture. Just think about your own posture. How is it right now? Just keep, stay frozen. Some of us, we have a hard time having good posture because of back issues or whatever. And so it's really hard to have good posture. Most of us want to have good posture. And so we make commitments at times. Oh yeah, I'm supposed to have good posture, shoulders back and all that. And then we just kind of forget. We slump you at home, you're in your comfortable couch and you're just kind of slumped over and how, man, oh man, yeah, your back is going as you're watching. Others of you, you got lucky here right now in this moment and you're going, ha ha ha, I was sitting with good posture, suckers. Others of you here in the room, you, you, you're like, you have good posture right now because you're a good posture person. You're like a, a steel pole and you just, you sit with good posture at all times. Okay, you can relax if you haven't yet. Just relax, just relax. Maybe make an adjustment, look around and sit up a little straighter in the chair there. Telling the gospel through our lives is like having good posture. 
It's something we can do for a while based on our own strength, if we think about it. But we can't think about it all the time. And so we just kind of slip into, we just start to slouch. We just kind of slip. We, oh yeah, yeah, be reminded. Oh yeah, oh yeah. People are watching, people are watching. And we forget, we forget. And we slip back into this, we slip back into this. Which is why we need help. Which is why we need help. So help me God. And this help, this guidance, this reminder for us to have spiritually good posture is really what we mean by holiness. So the idea is that at some point in our lives, we choose whether or not we want to follow Jesus. At some point we say, yes, Jesus is Lord. I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. That journey for the rest of your life is called holiness. It is an ongoing journey of us trying to go after one piece at a time, one part of our lives at a time. It is a journey of pursuing what it means to be like Jesus. And that is the role of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit resides in us and gives us guidance for this journey. Again, this is something that Paul understood very well. In another one of his letters, Romans chapter seven, I love what he says, as a guy who understands, based on my own strength, I can only do this stuff so much, and I can't think about it all the time, on my own strength. He writes, Romans chapter seven, if you're not familiar with this, this is a gift here this morning. Paul, 2,000 years ago, he says in verse 15, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Can any of you relate to that? This is the whole idea of I can't do this on my own strength. I can't maintain this, I can't maintain this good witness on my own strength. So Paul walks us out and then he says in the next chapter as he's, you know, the book of Romans is, is just a, a walkthrough of what it, why Jesus died and what it means to follow him. It is a very... It is so ahead of its time. It's unbelievable that Paul wrote this and 2,000 years later, we're still reading it and trying to figure out what he wrote. I mean, it's just incredible that, that God gave him these words. He says in the next chapter, chapter eight, verses five, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live according with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Paul is talking to Christians. He's, he's, talking, he's, he's not separating those who do not follow Jesus from those who follow Jesus. He's talking to people who believe Jesus is Lord. And he's saying some live according to the flesh, which means we live based on our own strength. To live according to the flesh means that we, we just, we have some good days when we think about it, and then we have other days when we just struggle, 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 struggle. And then there are those who live according to the spirit who gets to have sustained joy, 
sustained grace, sustained mercy, not just because I'm strong enough to experience it, but sustained, what he says there, governed by the spirit is life and peace, sustained joy and life and peace and forgiveness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's the stuff that the spirit provides that we cannot do on our own. How many of you for the last four minutes have thought a little bit about your posture? Have thought maybe a little bit differently about your posture? How many of you four minutes ago when I talked about posture, you went, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you straightened up in your seat and already in the last four minutes you've forgotten once again. See, that's the power of our own ability to, to, to be a good witness. That's, that's our own strength to be able to do that. We forget after four minutes and, you know, how is it that some people in terms of physiology have good posture consistently? You know, the, the, the steel pole kind of people who consistently sit and stand with good posture. It's not because they were born that way. It's not because they're, they're the lucky ones and, and the world is divided into those who do not have good posture and those who do have good posture. More than likely, it's because if you have good posture... You had somebody in your life who spent a lot of time with you, probably a parent, who said to you, sit up straight, stand up, stand up straight, sit up straight, stand up straight, put your shoulders back, put your head up, stand up straight, sit up straight, stand up straight, sit up straight. Somebody went, you know how many times it takes for a parent to, to say that to a child so that they have lifelong good posture? 8.6 million times. That's the, that's, I don't know if that's an exact number, but that's just my, it's somewhere around there. For a parent to, to instill that into a child, either that or you're an adult and you've worked hard at it and you've prioritized it and you've, you've worked on your core and you have worked on those muscles and you have decided this is going to help me at work, it's going to help me in my business, it's going to give me more confidence and authority if I can have good posture. So you have worked on it because you've worked on it and reminded yourself and reminded yourself you've got some muscle memory so that you actually can sustain Consistent, good posture. Fantastic, way to go. We can do that in terms of physiology. We cannot do that in terms of spirituality. We cannot. The way we develop, we can't do that on our own strength. What happens is that the core, in terms of spirituality, the core is the Holy Spirit. And that's not, that's not our power. That we can't, we can't strengthen the Holy Spirit in us. All we can do is pay attention to him. So again, if you are a follower of Jesus, then the Holy Spirit resides in you. We just get to decide. Are we going to have a flabby spiritual core? Flabby spiritual core. Or are we going to listen regularly to the Holy Spirit? Paul says in chapter 8, the book of Romans, we can either live according to the flesh or live according to the spirit. What it means to live according to the flesh just basically means that we, we're ignoring the spirit in us. To live according to the flesh means I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do my life, I'm gonna make my decisions, and that means we are gonna consistently experience anger and and uh, we are going to consistently experience the, the um, loneliness and, and frustration. 
We're going to consistently experience those things. It's just going to be a consistent part of days. We're going to, well, how can I be a believer who's supposed to experience life and peace and I continue to experience these things? It's not because you're, you're, you're weak. It's not because you're unintelligent. It's not because you have worse circumstances than everybody else. It's not because you're doomed to experience those things on a regular basis, even though you want to not experience those things. It simply means we are ignoring the power of the Holy Spirit in us. It simply means we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to, to bring that life and that consistency in, into our journeys. And I, I tell you, I'm not pointing my finger. This is, I have days where I experience this because I try to lean on my own strength. I'm living in the flesh instead of living by the Spirit. So Paul says, we can live according to the Spirit, which means that we we strengthen that core by starting off every day saying, I, I submit to you, Holy Spirit. Would you lead me, guide me today? It means, it means every day, you know, Jesus, when he modeled how to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil every day. That's not a prayer that we pray once and we say, great, hopefully that'll take care of me for the rest of my life. This is what we pray every day. Give us this day the power to be the men and women that you want us to be. Give us this day. God, would you help me to choose joy instead of anger? God, would you, choose, would you help me to choose hope instead of despair? God, would you help me to choose people, loving people, being with people instead of isolation and loneliness? God, would you help me to say yes more than say no? Because of our fears, because of, oh, I don't think I have what it takes, I can't do it, I can't. And instead of saying no to the opportunities that are around us, then I would say yes and have the confidence that the Holy Spirit gives inside of me. God, would you help me to not keep a record of wrongs with those who have hurt me? God, would you help me to respond in a way that is not the way I want to respond in so many situations? God, would you help me to live a life where others around me at work, et cetera, would say, wow, wow, I want what she has. I want what he has. God, would you help me to be a good witness? Because based on my own strength, I can't do it all the time. I can't do it every day. People are watching. People are searching. People are in need of hope, of of purpose, and they're watching you. So you can either live by the flesh and have good days and then have bad days and, and tragically, really, essentially, not look any different than somebody who is not yet a follower of Jesus. Because that's what it means. That, that you, you could be a follower of Jesus and you know what's gonna happen for your, in terms of your eternity and there's assurance, assurance of that. And, and what an amazing gift that is. But it's possible for you to live a life that is no different 
than what it would be if you were not a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to live according to the flesh. You continue to live on our, on our own strength. Or we can live according to the Spirit. And we can be the witness that God knows we can be. We can live lives that are, that are noticeably different. Don't you want to be noticeably different for those that you care about? so that they would open up doors for them to say, hey, can, can, can we go for coffee? I just want to find out why you come in and start your day differently than everybody else. I want to know what that's all about. That's what it means to realize your role as a witness. And it's not based on your own strength and your own ability. It's based on the power of the Holy Spirit in you. That's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. So help us, God. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I pray that there is clarity here today. That when you invite us, challenge us towards perfection, it's not because we can do it on our own. It's because you can do miracles in and through our lives. Father, I pray that there would be some greater sense somehow here today in terms of what it means to live according to your spirit. That we would, we would stop trying to go day after day, week after week, living according to our own strength, our own power, living according to the flesh, but that we would experience what it means to live according to the spirit. We would and experience the joy of that, the life and the peace of that, others would see it and be drawn to you and your beauty and your glory, we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.